Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, so I'm here with my guest, Allison. I'm super grateful that you um, have come on here today to share your story. And yeah, I'm just really expectant for uh, you to share the story and just how it's going to impact others. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Maya. Um, Well, I will get started. Um, So like Maya said, my name is Allison. Um, I am 28 years old. Um, I am currently living in Wisconsin, born and raised. Um, I am a pediatric registered nurse and um, a beloved um, dog mom as well. Um, I am also an eating survivor, eating disorder survivor, and um, I am also um, a survivor of domestic and sexual um, abuse. Um, and so I am, you know, more than willing to share my story um, with you today and just the provision that God has shown me um, over the course of the healing. Um, so as I kind of start um, with my story, just a little background, I met my ex in May of 2019. Uh, We did meet through a dating app um, and it has been around a year and a half since we have been out of the relationship. Um, Just kind of thinking about, you know, how things, you know, started um, as far as, you know, the abuse. Um, My ex in the very beginning stages of our relationship was referred to as Mr. Hallmark by my friends, um, by my family, and those who are very um, near and dear to my heart, um, because we all thought, you know, that, you know, as we see in those Hallmark movies, he was Hallmark movie perfect. He said everything that, you know, we wanted him to say. He was charming and had good looks, and that was about about it. Mm -hmm. Um, However, you know, shortly after our abuse, um, the abuse did start, um, my apologies on that. Um, we began, um, dating, um, but over the course of the first couple of weeks, um, and then into months, my ex did begin to cross physical boundaries. Um, I had, um, really held to standard my faith and my values as far as, you know, what I had deemed appropriate as far as boundaries and told him multiple times, um, not to cross those. Um, but every time he would do so, you know, he would say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that again. Um, and then it was kind of like, I was babysitting him, telling him, don't do this. Don't do this. Like, I'm sorry. Um, but I fell, you know, head over heels for him in a very short period of time. And my oblivion grew to what he honestly and truly was seeking, you know, from me. Um, and so that ended up kind of spiraling to what would happen in the next couple of months, but I just kind of blew it off in the beginning stages because I was so in love with that idea of love. You know, I hadn't waited, you know, to be committed to someone. I hadn't had a serious relationship before him. You know, I felt I had, you know, lived my life according to God's plan, you know, finish school, get a job, gain independence. I'm ready to get a relationship um, on track. So I felt, you know, I was doing everything that I needed to do. And this was my time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but once I started to realize um, kind of the next question was kind of when things went wrong, there were many red flags over the course of our relationship. Um, and a lot of it really stemmed from a couple words of, you know, just neediness, lies, um, and manipulation, not just in his words, um, but in his actions. Um, and that was towards people who were closest to me in my life, my parents, my grandparents, my family, my church family, um, and loved ones. Um, you know, just anything he could say, um, or do to make them like him and approve of him. Um, because he was not on the, on the totem pole, he was not as, you know, successful and independent. And I had everything that he had, um, not that he did not have. Um, and so, and I was happy with myself, you know, I was in my dream job, living on my own content, you know, with where I was at, you know, just loving life and living it, you know, after, you know, surviving an eating disorder after so long. Um, but he over time became jealous and he did not disclose that, um, to me, but it really wasn't until, um, I would say the fall of 2020 near the end of our relationship. And when I had asked him if he would come over for my birthday and he did not come over because he was quote unquote too tired to come over and spend time with me. And he just example, you know, would just say things like that on repeat, you know, I'm going to go have fun with my friends. I need to go, you know, have fun. And I can't, you know, enjoy my life the way that I can, because I'm always spending it with you. And, you know, I just had it at certain points and I did, you know, tell him, you know, do you want me to break up with you? And he said, no, 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 no. So everything had to be on his terms, but, you know, I was so blinded by love and, you know, felt that he truly did love me and promised that in time he would, you know, propose to me and we would become engaged and life would be this beautiful, you know, picture that we had painted our heads from, from the very beginning of our relationship. Um, so again, I just put every up with anything and everything, you know, and just kind of blew by everything that he did say, um, to me. Um, and again, I just was, I'm going to go back. I was just an idea in love with the idea of, love and what that was. And I really didn't want anyone to burst my bubble in that. And I honestly feel like a lot of people were scared to do that because, um, I, you know, had, you know, there are many times doctors told me that I wouldn't be alive today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know, was happy for, you know, after 13 years of depression, isolation, all of those things with my eating disorder that encompassed it, that he was the one good thing that came out of a lot of the darkness that I went through. Um, but it honestly took me about eight months after that breakup with him to truly understand, you know, what went, was really wrong in that relationship that was my wake up call. Um, and that it was, you know, by the grace of God that it did end. 
Um, so that's kind of where I realized, you know, things were wrong was more towards after, you know, the abuse had ended after relationship had ended. Um, just cause again, this idea of being in love with love, um, caught me off guard and, you know, just got me into this whirlwind fantasy, um, that he was Mr. Perfect and he was Mr. Hallmark and he played that role very, very well. Um, and, you know, just kind of thinking about, um, just kind of following through with things that were a part of my, you know, abuse story and, you know, everyone, um, you know, has their story to tell and, um, I'm so in awe of everyone and just the strength that everyone has. And so just wanted to share a little bit of mine. Um, I know I've kind of been bouncing off a little over the place, um, but about a month and a half into dating my ex, um, we became the dream home, the dream cars, the dream life. Um, and, you know, I felt, wow, like, how can I be so lucky? Everything was just perfect. You know, he was perfect. You know, everything was just falling into place. And after I had the meal with his family and, you know, got their stamp of approval, um, he told me he wanted to take me on this quote unquote hometown tour, he called it, kind of thinking about, you know, the bachelor, bachelorette, you know, if anyone has watched that, it's kind of what it reminds me of. And, you know, I thought it was really sweet and, you know, it was romantic, just, you know, showing me around where where he grew up in important places in his life. Um, And I thought, wow, this is just another way that I can connect um, with him and just get to know him on a, you know, deeper level. Um, But that tour lasted about three hours. So we didn't get back to his house. Um, Mind you, still living with his parents at the time. And it was about 1030 you know, when we got back, so it was dark and there's no one around. The only lights that were there were the porch lights of his parents' home. And um, I remember my phone had died. The battery had died um, and I had no way of contacting anyone um, before any of this, would, what would transpire over time. But as we got into his driveway, um, I just remember him, you know, pulling up and we were just, you know, sitting, you know, in the vehicle, looking at the stars and, you know, it was just, you know, it was romantic and it was comforting to me. I felt, you know, just secure in his arms and slowly, but surely, um, he started to, violate my physical boundaries after telling him, no, I don't want this done. Mm -hmm. But my, you know, my brain switched off into the shock mode and he started to touch me in places I did not want to be touched without my consent. And I just felt in that moment I had no strength to tell him to stop because I felt so vulnerable and helpless. And, 
he just kept on doing that for his own pleasure and satisfaction. And eventually he stopped. And I just remember, I had no idea how to get home. My phone died. I just remember driving two, three hours, you know, what should have been 30 minute drive, mm-hmm. two, three hours back to my apartment, just in shock, not fully realizing what just happened to me. Um, and I never really honestly realized what had happened, honestly, until after the relationship had ended and what that really was. Um, and that honestly was just the start um, to a lot of what the abuse would transpire into over time. So, you know, that's, you know, was a little harder for me to, to admit and, you know, I'll talk a little bit about it later, but just, you know, identifying what happened, you know, to my body that day, um, and just the red flags that popped up left and right that night that I just completely avoided and missed. Well, they think- um, I think it's hard too, because like, he's somebody who was essentially gaining your trust. And so like, you don't think that in a relationship, like, I think you don't think that you could be sexually assaulted. And so like, um, every time that a new episode airs, I mean, a majority of of the women who've come out and spoken up have talked about marital rape, uh, date mm-hmm. rape. And it's, I mean, it's happening time and time again, uh, but it's, it adds so much confusion, confusion to the mix when you think like, this is somebody who cares about me and loves me and who's, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Hallmark. And then yes. you're put in a situation where your boundaries are being crossed. Um, and you freeze because you don't know how to say no or, or like you just, you freeze and, and everything you kind of, you kind of just like, I think it's almost like in, in out of body experience, I would yeah. say. Yeah. I would definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I just, yeah, I mean, yeah, just in the trust factor and, you know, kind of a couple days, you know, around, around this time, I, you know, had had that conversation with him about physical boundaries. Um, and, you know, I just remember telling him, you know, what I believed in, you know, when it came to physical boundaries, sexual intimacy, you know, I had to have those hard conversations with him. I felt like I had to wear, you know, the adult pants in the relationship and, he was not. Um, so, you know, I felt I took a lot of those major steps in the relationship and having those hard conversations. Um, and I just remember telling him those things. And the one thing that he said to me that I'll never forget, um, is I wish I would have done the same. Um, and I just completely bypassed that, um, because I was just so, I, in love with him, um, and this fantasy life that I was just painting in my head and, you know, on my Pinterest boards and all of those things that every girl dreams of. 
um, but just bypassing the reality of, you know, what true trust is. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then one of the other, you know, experiences that I went through was more of the climax into the abuse. Um, a couple of months had passed um, and it was fall of uh, 20, oh gosh, 2019. Oh, time is flying by. Um, and so I, you know, have a medical condition called PCOS and there was a time where I needed a surgical intervention, um, because of that. And, um, it was a traumatizing experience. And because of that, I chose to have, um, a, the Depro shots. So one of the birth control shots and knowing my body, you know, does not react well, but I felt that I needed to do that, you know, for my, you know, conscious and, you know, just being, you know, not as traumatized by what I went through. Um, but in that sense, making that choice, um, my ex felt entitled to take it one step further when it came to physical boundaries and just completely ignoring what I had believed in. Um, and what still, I still do believe in, um, you know, just for his gain. So shortly after I had my surgery in October, 2019, um, and those restrictions were lifted and I got the shot. So now we're talking mid November of 2019. Um, my ex showed a completely different side of him. So this wasn't the Mr. Hallmark I had known. Um, and I never honestly wish I would have seen this side of him again, playing the innocence card. He never acted in anger or rage, but this pure sense of just innocence. So one, one afternoon, my ex um, decided to come over um, to my apartment and, you know, it was kind of one of those, you know, Netflix and chill days. So it was a very like rainy November day, you know, don't want to, can't do too much outside. You know, so I just, you know, wanted to hang out in my bed, you know, just kind of recovering. And then all of a sudden, you know, my, I, my ex came into my room um, and he lay next to me. And then all of a sudden I just, before I knew it, my ex was on top of me. Um, and he started to, you know, again, violate physical boundaries without my consent. And my body again was in this flight or flight response mode, this shock where I felt again, very helpless. And, you know, I felt like my voice was just stripped away from me and I didn't know what to say or what to do. But I do remember some of the things he did tell me during that time. Um, And he said, Allison, don't worry. I'm just exploring and I'm doing you a favor. Hmm. And um, to me, that did not sink in as to the extent of what that was for another year or so. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a little while. But during that time, there's no one else around. Um, You know, the windows are 
you know, close, you know, there's no one else to witness what he did. So it was a secret he kept very close and hidden from, from the world. And my body, again, just pushed everything under the covers and into shock. But all I can remember is this sudden, just, I don't know how to describe it, but just this feeling of confusion and worry. I remember my phone was right next to me and all I remember is picking it up, going on to Google and searching, can I get pregnant on birth control? Mm. And, you know, it's, it just became this, you know, flooding of shock. And again, like fear, what did he just do to me? I don't know what he did to me. I don't understand what he did, but I'm still going to love him. Um, you know, he just, whatever he did, I don't know what it was. Again, I wasn't familiar with, you know, what date rape was, um, or is, and I had, you know, no recollection of it. And I too just, you know, push things under the rug and live life as if nothing bad had happened. Um, but over time, the next couple of weeks, um, my family did notice a change in my demeanor, you know, just who I was, because over time I, you know, glued myself to him. I was there for his sexual pleasure. Um, and over time continued just to be used. Um, and for me, just living it, my life as if nothing was wrong, but that I was just infatuated with him. And, you know, this was just how things went, not knowing that that was part of the, an abusive, um, cycle. So definitely an unveiling of this domineering controlling side, you know, of, of my ex that still haunts me in my dreams at times. Um, and then kind of going, you know, to my third experience, you know, with my abuse, um, story and that cycle. So, you know, our relationship, you know, was, you know, like a lot of people, you know, was put under the strain of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, we, you know, we're dating about nine, you know, months, you know, in when the, when the pandemic did start. Um, but it wasn't until like March of 2020, um, when my level of um, vulnerability and neediness for him um, slowly increased. And then all at once um, I, you know, started out, you know, in 2020 losing my job um, because of, you know, some of the side effects from, from my depo shot. Um, you know, I was very insecure with myself, very um, suicidal anxiety, um, OCD, depression, you name it. Um, I dealt with it and I ultimately ended up losing my job because of that at the time. And it did put a strain on our relationship. Um, and he tried to be there for me. Um, he was my soundboard at the time or so I thought. Um, but over time, you know, when the safer at home orders came into play, 
um, he moved in with me, you know, cause he's the healthcare worker and, you know, there was this fear in his own home. Um, so I was like, well, I'm living alone. You can come live with me. Um, and mine, you know, in the middle of all this, I'm in the middle of my graduate school studies and all of this, you know, a lot of things going on, just adding to my plate, but still being the one expected to provide and keep things going. But, you know, over time, you know, what I thought was the best decision, you know, of my life, despite the discretion of, you know, both of our, our families saying that's not a good idea. My ex not only started to become physically, you know, more in engaged with me, um, and I suddenly became someone who I was not. Um, he started to rely on me more financially um, with the little means um, that I did have, and and over time, um, he would call me the breadwinner of the relationship. So I felt like I was there solely to provide for his physical needs and, you know, to provide a stability for his life so that he wouldn't have to live with his family anymore and his parents, you know, we're in our mid twenties at the time. And so, you know, that's, you know, what you strive for, but he did not have it. So he wanted to take advantage of the life I was living and make it his own but that put more stress on our relationship as well. Um, And there would be times where I would have my moments where, you know, again, he, you know, would just engage in activity with me that I just did not want to, but, you know, just became a creature of habit. And then there would be nights where I would just be running around my apartment complex in the middle of the night just screaming, running around like a, you know, very crazy lost. And he never came out to find me or show me compassion or love. You know, it was all about, you know, him and what he needed. You know, he needed to sleep. He needed this, you know, he was exhausted. Um, And it became a strain on our relationship. Um. And so kind of thinking about where things ended up taking a turn um, was in that fall of 2020. And I do remember, you know, just thinking about what he had done um, to me over the course of our relationship. But on October 16th of 2020, um, I'll never forget this day. And what I, you know, just am grateful for God's grace and intervention in this time, even though it was very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had taken a leave with my job at the time, um, but decided that, you know, in the midst of me continuing my school, um, I needed clinical, you know, time that I couldn't fulfill my work responsibilities, you know? And so there's a sacrifice I had to make and, but it drove me crazy. What decision am I going to make? What is best for me? And I remember, again, I was very suicidal, you know, this at this time and that day. 
Um, and there would be times I would just drive on my way to work and just, you know, be talking to him, telling him I'm going to drive my car off the ramp. And I remember, you know, one of those days, you know, this was one of those where I couldn't even walk into my job that day because I needed to tell them I was leaving, but instead I needed to take care of my mental health as well because I was actively suicidal at the time. And I remember calling my ex after he was done with work. And I remember him, you know, calling him and telling him if he could meet me on a trail near his work. And he said, yeah, sure. That's fine. I can do that. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, he's going to be there for me. He's going to comfort me and tell me, you know, everything's going to be okay. That's what I needed to hear. Um, Someone just to walk alongside the hard times of life with me. And I just remember when he got there, there was just this sense of calmness in him, but this panic in me. And as we walked down the trail, we found a place to sit and we got to talking. And I just remember asking him, you know, in the, in the silence, if he was breaking up with me. And he knew that I was actively suicidal at the time and needing, you know, to think about getting additional help. And he knew that. So that's the part that, you know, really shows more of the narcissistic personality in him is this person who you said you loved over and over is needing help and you're not there you know, to console them, comfort them. I just remember him telling me, you know, I see you five days out of the week. I don't have any time for myself. I just want to have fun with my friends. Hmm. And I asked him, okay, are you breaking up with me? He couldn't even tell me else and I'm breaking up with you. But I just remember you know, it was a shock to me. And all of a sudden that turned into anger, frustration, distraught. And I got up and he got up and we just, you know, walked side by side. And then all of a sudden there was like, we just disconnected. And then I just remember starting to walk and run into this forest no idea where I was going but the intention I had was to take my life that day and he just kept on walking um, as if he didn't know me and it was sad to me that someone who said that they loved me and promised me um this life of love and compassion and commitment, you know, was just dropping me like a bag of rocks on the road with no care in the world. And, um, you know, I had asked him, you know, it's like, I thought we were going to get engaged and can we just go on a break? And he's like, no, we need to end it. Hmm. And I just, again, just bargained with him. And this went on for a long time. Um, But eventually I got back into my car. He got back into his. 
and he didn't live too far from this trail. And so I drove to his house and I waited on the street across from his home to a point where eventually he came out. And I remember his dad was there. He was in the parking lot in his vehicle and he knew I was there. He knew what had just happened and he just drove away. His mom was also there. Um, I saw her and um, their dogs were running in the street and I just, you know, didn't want the dogs to get hurt. So, you know, I directed them back inside. And the last thing she said to me was, thank you, Allison. But shortly thereafter, I got out of the car and I followed him into his driveway and he shoved me back into my car very forcefully. And I followed him back into his home by his garage. And one of the last things, you know, amidst all the bargaining with him was, you know, about the risky actions he did take. Not, again, putting a word to what he did or realizing what he did to me, but just telling him that he was very lucky I wasn't pregnant with his child. And there was just this, he looked like a ghost. And if ghosts had emotions, he showed it. And, you know, he was emotional about it. But I almost feel like there was this act that he was putting on at that time. Um, And so that was a very hard day for me to realize um, because when I did eventually get back to my home, realizing, you know, that what just happened and then the minute, you know, I got back to my parents' house, I just remember coming and, you know, on, on the couch talking with, you know, my, my mom, my dad wasn't there at the time, but my mom and my brother were. And I just remember going into my bedroom, sitting in the corner wall, just shaking, trembling. And I, you know, I could have filled the Atlantic Ocean with the tears that I had cried that day. But it became at that point, I realized the extent of the abuse that my ex had placed in my life. And, you know, that what he did do to me. Um, was damaging, not just, you know, psychologically, but physically as well. And I just remember asking why, like, why did this have to happen to me? Why me? Right. Um, and I remember my mom, you know, lying in bed with me that night. I mean, I was, you know, 26 at the time. Um, and 26, 27, wow, time is really flying. Um, but I just remember my mom having to calm, calm me down that night. She had to sleep with me in my bed because I couldn't stop shaking and trembling. And something on my heart was just telling my mom what my ex had done to me because I had kept this bottled up inside for so long. Um, and it was a shocker 
and I, to my mom, and, you know, one of the things that my mom, you know, told me is why didn't you tell us? Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a hard question, you know, for, for me to answer at times, because my family still does ask me that at times, you know, just as I work in the healing process of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, I just remember this feeling of shame and, you know, my family, we hold our faith very important, very close to our hearts. And for me to tell them the secret life that I was living was nothing I wanted them to be a part of. And I remember, you know, also talking to my dad over the last couple of months, you know, about it and just saving them from knowing what was what was done to my body by my ex I wanted to you know protect them just like they protected me my whole life um but I've learned that you know they're in my corner um and that I don't need to be ashamed of my story um but it took a lot of time for me to work up to talk to my dad about it because I'm incredibly close with my dad and my dad would do anything for me but as I told him what happened that's when he you know took the blinders off and said Allison you know what he did was date rape and that took a lot of time to sink in and there were times that I honestly denied what had happened because my brain had just shoved things back in the corner so much for so long um, that I just didn't realize the reality of what I had just gotten out of. Mm. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, what made, you know, you know, one of the questions is, you know, what made me leave um, and how I did it. Um, it was my ex that ended up leaving. It wasn't me, um, but it was by the grace of God um, that he placed that on my ex's heart to leave me. And I just remember my dad, you know, telling me time and time again, you know, with my ex's lost will be one man's greatest treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um that's very hard um you know for for me to come to terms with because you know I you know struggle a lot with self-confidence and value and felt like being in this abusive relationship with even without that realization you know over the time that we were together um really did demoralize how I viewed myself and who I was, um, in Christ and where my strength really does come from. Um, but, you know, I, you know, don't, you know, take lightly, you know, when I say, you know, when I say something like this, but I thank my ex 
thanks for leaving me because over time things would have gotten worse. The abuse would have taken even more tendency, would have taken more tolls on me. But, you know, the more that, you know, I think about it and when I realized I needed more help um, to seek trauma therapy was, you know, when I realized that my, a lot of my, you know, my psychological and mental health um, struggles were rooted in the actions of him. So he ultimately, you know, drove himself to break up with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But this past summer, you know, I came to the terms and that reality of my ex and his actions and stopped the bargaining because I was just idea in love with this idea of him in my life, this Mr. Hallmark. He had been all that I had, had known, but I realized that I needed to, you know, heal my heart in order for me to love not just someone again, but to fall in love with myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think about in a lot of the story with my ex is, you know, him leaving me has taught me more about myself than I've learned you know, in about a lot of things, you know, in a longer period of time, but in such a short period of time, I've learned, you know, who, who is in my corner, who is a listening ear, who can I trust when trust is such a hard thing to rebuild and to tell myself that your life is worth fighting for and that it doesn't, your, your life is not measured by the love of someone else, but by the love of God. And that in time, although it is very hard and a lot of people who know me will tell me this, that I'm very impatient. Mm. Um, but learning that things happen for a reason, people leave for a reason and it just builds us up. It creates a new person, um, in Christ. And that radiates more than, than anything. And to, you know, for me, I've learned, you know, as I tried to put myself back out into the dating world, which is, which is hard. Um, but I have, you know, set these expectations of what I will not tolerate. Um, and what I know to look out for and to truly value, you know, my heart and protect my heart and know the worth of that. Um, and just how beautiful it is. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, over the course of the therapy that I've been in, you know, with my therapist is, you know, I keep on talking about how I am this selfless person that wants to love people 
love them always. You know, it's in my nature to do that and wearing my heart on my sleeve. But there are things that my therapist would tell me and she's like, Allison, you know, you are deserving to be loved. Correct. Mm -hmm. And that was a very hard question for me to answer because I felt like that was the ability for me to allow myself to tell myself that I am worthy of this undenying infinite love and um, that in God's time, it will, it will happen and to surrender the control of what I thought I had over my life, um, you know, to, to him. And it's taken a long time to get there, but it feels freeing to slowly be making that progress. And, you know, when I think about, you know, the journey that God has placed me on, you know, I am thankful for it. Um, I know it hasn't been easy. Um, but God doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, just anyone who is listening, you know, to, to know, to know that, that God is that eternal love and he has your best interest in mind and he is writing your love story and it will be so beautiful and worth the wait. And, you know, as, you know, I just continue my own healing, you know, journey, because, you know, it's not done. And there's always a part, you know, of us that is healing from what, you know, we have gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, I pray just for anyone who is listening, you know, to this today that you know, just how beautiful, how strong, how worthy of love you are, you know, in God's eyes. And there are people in this world that love you unconditionally and God will move mountains for you. It just may, you know, take time. Um, And it just comes with, you know, just that first, you know, that first step in acknowledging you know, that you are worthy and you are deserving of so much more, um, you know, than you could ever could have imagined. Um, and I am so blessed to be able to share just a little bit about my story um, and my, you know, time that um, I had, you know, in that relationship with my ex, that knowing that, you know, if it could, you know, just be, if it could help someone, you know, realize that, you know, when we think about when we're in a relationship and something just doesn't seem right, have people in your corner who will hold you accountable. People who, you know, you can trust with your heart and can, and can confide in when things just are not right. And, 
you know, if you slip up there, that person, you know, who's not going to judge you, but that will guide you on the right path and those right decisions um, to make, you know, so whether that's a friend or a family member, you know, or a coworker, you know, anyone, um, we only need just that one person. Um, and we always know that we, you know, have God as our cornerstone um, in all of this as well. Um, you know, but I just, you know, just pray for, you know, healing um, and, you know, just this unveiling, you know, beauty um, in the pain and that God truly does make beauty from ashes. So I thank you so much for letting, um, letting me, you know, come on, you know, today to talk with you, um, today. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. It's truly been just listening to your story and getting to just like sit back here and just kind of like give you like the floor and, and allow you like, I don't know, just like this space for you to be able to share your story. I think it, I know is going to impact people who are listening and people who will resonate and relate. Um, but also just for me, like just at near the, nearing the end, I mean, like the whole, whole entire uh, episode, like your story is holds so much power. And I think it's just heartbreaking to hear what you've had to go through and that this is your experience, but to hear at the end, like you share about like what you deserve as a daughter of Christ and that you are treasured. It like makes me emotional. And I feel like every time that I hear a survivor talking about how treasured they are, it like, I think it pushes me to keep going. And I think it will push all the other survivors to keep going because it's hard, like coming out of an abusive relationship, like a person who's supposed to value you and love you the most doesn't and tears you apart and takes advantage of you. It's really hard to stand in who you are as daughter of Christ and know and recognize what you deserve and not settle for less. Because I think there's a part of survivors who, you know, and even people who aren't survivors, like I think just insecurity in itself, like, you know, of like wanting to be loved and wanting to be taken you know, by someone and someone just to truly care for you, but truly to stand in who you are as a daughter of Christ and to know that that love first comes from Jesus, but that like, like you, you, me, like any other person listening, you don't deserve anything less than like the father's best for you. And when we're waiting not to like settle for something that is a compromise, but truly wait for the blessing that the Lord has for us. And it just truly spoke to my heart because I just have, you know, I go through these like little valleys and where I'm like, you know, it's just, it's tiring. There's just a lot to unpack when you leave an abusive relationship. And some days it's like, you're great. And you're like, I think of like overcome it all. Like I'm fine. Right. Days you're like crap. Like (laughs) I feel so low today, and that's I'm having one of those days today. And so, like coming here, I think it's really opposition, to be honest, because I think like the enemy hates this space. He hates what 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 her name is. He doesn't want 
women to share their stories because, you know, it's bringing uh, darkness into the light. And so I feel like personally that darkness quite often right before I'm about to like come and do this because I think it's like an, yeah, it's an attack and I'm always aware, like, okay, I think I'm just like struggling a little bit because it's just like going to be something that the Lord is really going to do here in this space. And so hearing your story, um, is powerful, Allison, and the fact that you are like out of that situation and that you are, you know, standing here as a daughter of Christ saying like, I am treasured, I am valued. I am like working on myself to truly know my identity and stand firm in that for, for the next time and to recognize that. And you're telling other women and girls like, Hey, like, like have accountability partners and, and this is what you deserve. Like, that's huge. It's such a big thing when you come from something like what you did, because a lot of women wouldn't be standing where you are or would be, you know, back in another abusive relationship or still with them. And, and for the, for you to get out of it and to be able to say the things you are like, it truly holds so much power. Yeah. And I, you know, just wanted to just add like one more thing, you know, that kind of just, you know, trickled, you know, into my mind was, you know, just give yourself time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know, one thing that God's just placing on my heart um, as I'm speaking tonight is, you know, I thought I would have been dating again. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I would have, you know, had a relationship and I'm still single, mm-hmm. but, you know, God is telling me, be patient. You know, t- this takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is no rush. Um, and love is something not to take for granted. Um, it truly is, you know, something, you know, to treasure and that right person, you know, will come. And, you know, I definitely have my hard days where I'm in doubt and I, I don't know, but there's just this undenying hope that I have in my heart that in the waiting, God will, is going to make something so beautiful. And even though I may not see it, he is, he is doing that. Um, and when I least expect it, he will come through. Um, but just giving, you know, for me, giving myself the time. So, you know, I just encourage, you know, anyone who is listening, you know, you, means so much more than, you know, just having, you know, a social media relationship status post, right. Of being in a relationship, you need to have a, you know, a relationship with yourself and to love yourself first and know who's you are, um, and who you are. Um, and that's something that, you know, I personally do struggle with, um, but, you know, in the time, you know, in that waiting, you know, God really is helping me to believe, you know, that, you know, despite what I have gone through and despite what my ex took from me, you know, my ex can never take away the love I have for Christ and the love that Christ has for me. So good. Um, and so just, that's just one last thing I wanted, you know, to say, um, you know, that got laid on my heart tonight. Wow. Yeah. 
That's so good. I feel like that is just like, yeah, it resonates so much with like my own heart. And I know that it's going to resonate with others. And I love like when the father like just put something on each guest's heart to share, because I really believe that it's meant to be it's meant to be shared with with others and and it's always like in these moments where people feel imprinted to share something that like guests or not guests sorry but listeners will like message me and be like hey there was this one part in the podcast and it like really spoke out to me and it's always these parts and so it's yeah. really cool and so I'm just pumped like for this episode to air and for people to hear that because I think yeah it, this is like the real an honest truth. I think it's not always like, you know, I'm, you know, some, some survivors have come out and they're like, they're married or engaged and we get to rejoice in that. But this is the very real process of like, you know, you know, we haven't found um, that we haven't seen that portion of our story redeemed yet, but we are believing and standing in faith and doing the hard stuff now of truly like growing in who we are and loving ourselves first um yeah and that's the hard stuff but that's the real stuff and it's the necessary stuff that needs to happen before a relationship because you know I think I mean yeah when you know who you are in Christ and you truly know what you deserve and you truly love yourself you're much less uh easily swayed into I think you know being with somebody who doesn't respect you or who doesn't respect your boundaries or who, uh, you know, has abusive tendencies where it's easier to see them and call them out. Not always, but it definitely, that definitely aids in a healthy relationship. It can be draining. Um, but you know, if it can help you weed out that one, that one man, like my dad says, um, you know, then it's all worth it. You know, your value, and again, you know who you are and you know, um, you know, who you, who loves you. And, you know, that is, that is Christ and that is enough and God will bless you, um, in the challenges that, you know, you do face, but he doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. And we're all here as a community to support one another and uplift one another, um, in that struggle, you know, so that, one day, you know, we can be that shining light. Thank you so much, Allison, for coming on today. I really appreciate, yeah, of course. I really appreciate you being open and willing and taking the time to like unpack this with us because I know it's not easy. And yeah, I just feel grateful that, I don't know, that I get to hear your story and that you're willing to share it in this space. And I'm really expecting and excited for others to listen on Thursday and be able to hear it. So thank you, truly. Thank you so much, Maya. Thank you, everyone. Of course. All right. Bye. All right, guys, tune in next Thursday for the next episode. We will see you then.